Into the Weird and the Long Box of Darkness present Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, The Review. Hi there, weirdos and horror fans. Welcome back to The Long Box of Darkness and Into the Weird. That's right, we're conjoining these two shows today to talk about our in-depth and spoiler-filled review of the newest MCU film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, I know it's been a while. There's been a lot going on in my life. I'm not going to bore you with all that. Let me just say that I'm happy to be back podcasting and that there will be definitely be more shows coming to you in the near future. That's right, Into the Weird has been revived as well as the Long Box of Darkness. Well, I guess Laud never really went away. So yeah, that's the news that I have for you guys. And I will talk more about that at the end of this review. So this episode specifically will air on both the Long Box of Darkness and the Into the Weird podcast. Uh, since I think you'd agree the content discussed straddles the line between horror and weird superhero shenanigans nicely. So, uh, what has been happening leading up to Doctor Strange number two? Well, um, I'll avoid calling it Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness all the time because that would lead uh, to madness on my part. A bit of a lengthy title there. I'll just call it Doctor Strange 2. And um, I must admit, I have very high expectations. They were mostly met, though, by director Sam Raimi, who's one of my favorite directors, horror-wise. Um, fan of his other stuff, too, of course, Darkman, the Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, I went to see it last Thursday morning, and then again Saturday night. To longtime listeners of the show, you will already know that Doctor Strange and Morbius are my two favorite Marvel characters. Well, I like this film more than the first Doctor Strange. Of course, way more than the Morbius atrocity we got <laughs> a couple of months back. Not a fan, unfortunately. I'm not even going to bother doing a review on that 
movie. Sorry about that, listeners. It's just that too many problems brings up a lot of bad uh, associations in my mind related to one of my favorite characters. And so I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to kind of to give you a bit of a feel of how I'm going to rank this movie. I did like this Doctor Strange 2 more than the original, the first film in the series, than Doctor Strange number one. And I even, of course, liked it more than the Venom sequel, which I saw last year. And speaking about this year, I actually enjoyed it more than the Eternals and uh, the Batman, which is now, of course, DC, but still superhero related. Uh, but by a narrow margin, I should say, I really enjoyed the Eternals. A lot, lots of people uh, were not fans of that movie. Uh, I was a fan, though. I enjoyed it because uh, the Batman too. I liked it, but I liked the Eternals slightly more. Uh, how do I judge that? By seeing, well, which one would I like to see again? I've seen the Eternals probably three times by now. Uh, the Batman I've only seen once. So that kind of tells you which one I enjoyed more. Uh, once is enough for me when it comes to the Batman. So, you know, having mentioned that, though, I this is my favorite movie so far. Uh, within, let's say, the last eight months of watching Superhero Fair, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange 2, is definitely the best of the bunch for me personally. And why is that? Well, we'll get into that in our review. But, um, of course, great cast, brilliant actors all around. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch delivers, to my mind, his best performance as Doctor Strange yet. Elizabeth Olsen does the same. I enjoyed her in this way more than even what she accomplished in WandaVision. And, um, of course, having said that, there's a host of other characters that show up and uh, all played by well-known actors, some newcomers too. Everybody did a magnificent job um, in the way they acted, of course, directing-wise, Sam Raimi. Uh, excelled at that. Of course, there are some problems with the plot and with some sequences that I will mention later on. Still, I really enjoyed it. So I would score this movie probably a 7 out of 10, although that's not the way we're normally doing it on the Long Box of Darkness. Normally we have like a, uh, you know, out of 5 score, which we'll discuss how we're going to do that, the rating system later. But uh, just to give you a bit of an idea, I gave the Eternal 6.5. I gave the Batman 6 out of 10. So this movie, just slightly better than The Eternals for me, um, which might be a surprise to most of you. Well, I mean, I enjoyed both. I love both. This one is the better of the two. I'm still not going to go higher than seven, though, and and we'll talk about why later on. So um, other superhero things that I've watched recently, the Moon Knight series has wrapped up. I watched that. Um, A lot of people are raving about that online. I found that to be just okay. Slightly better than the Hawkeye series, which I watched just before that. Still not better than the Loki series, which is my favorite of the bunch so far. Also loved Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I'm a big, big fan of WandaVision, of course. That's my second favorite series right after the Loki series. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about the movie itself, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, you see, there I go, just driving myself to insanity. I should say Doctor Strange 2, directed by Sam Raimi. Produced by Kevin Feige with a screenplay by Michael Waldron. I think we got some writing credits on the recent Loki series as well. Scored by the brilliant Danny Elfman. Wow, this is one of his best scores ever. I loved it. Fantastic stuff by, by Elfman. 
And of course, it stars the dynamic Sorcerer Supreme Benedict duo of Benedict Cumberbatch, whom we mentioned earlier as Doctor Strange, and Benedict Wong as just Wong. <laughs> He's the new Sorcerer Supreme, as we um, came to realize in Spider-Man No Way Home, since you know Doctor Strange was uh, uh, on walkabout. Well, not really walkabout. He was uh, blasted into nothingness by Thanos, became dust for five years. So the job went to Wong. And of course, Wanda Maximoff, again played by Elizabeth Olsen. We mentioned her too earlier. Great stuff there, acting-wise. Um, a very emotional uh, role this time around. Also in WandaVision, I should say. But WandaVision, she kind of had to switch up her personality based off of the uh, particular era of TV that was being portrayed during every episode. So you didn't get any consistency. Although the last three episodes, I would argue against myself there. She was very consistent there. Um, again, very important that you must have seen WandaVision before you actually watch Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think that's the only way you can fully enjoy this movie. I'm sure you'd all agree with me there. Uh, so we're into spoiler-filled waters now, my friends. I am, from this point forward, going to mention a lot of things pertaining to the plot, a lot of cameos, extra characters showing up, stuff like that. So be prepared. This is a spoiler-filled review. So um, hope that doesn't uh, disappoint you. But if you want, you can go and watch the movie. You have to watch it. I, t I think you'd enjoy it if you're by any means a fan of weird stuff like all you weirdos are, I know. And you've probably already all seen it in any way. I might have been a little bit late to the party with this uh, review. But go and go and watch WandaVision first and foremost, or at least the final two episodes. Uh, and then watch the Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness, because um, then you'd get what you need out of this Into the Weird episode. All right, so here we go. Um, just to mention a little bit about WandaVision, though. At the end of WandaVision... Uh, Wanda Maximoff has become the prophesied Scarlet Witch, and she is in possession of the Darkhold. This all happened when Agatha Harkness, her enemy in that series, tried to absorb her power of reality manipulation through the Darkhold, which gives any magic wielder who controls the Darkhold or who utilizes it the power to absorb others' abilities. Um, and apparently the spells from the Darkhold in this universe originated from Mount Wundagore. They were inscribed there by the elder demon Cthon, the demon god. Cthon, same as in the comics. And of course you might recognize Mount Wundagore, you longtime Marvel stalwarts, as the birthplace of Wanda and Pietro Mat Maximoff in the comics. Uh, it's also, of course, the headquarters of the High Evolutionary and his animal men at one point in time. But that's not really touched upon in this movie at all. But at the end of WandaVision, we saw Wanda studying the Darkhold in a sinister setting, a, a cabin. Uh, speaking about cabins, that's actually very reminiscent of the, of the cabin in Sam Raimi's Evil Dead movies. Uh, but we'll get more, more into that later. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of Sam Raimi in here, a lot of horror. I'd, I'd say this is definitely uh, Marvel's, the MCU's venture into the realm of horror. Uh, getting Sam Raimi to direct it and just seemingly giving him free reign to do what he wanted, within limits, of course. We've also got some newcomers to the cast. Um, I'm not going to mention everybody yet uh, because I'll mention the, the cameos and guest appearances and reveals later on. 
and who plays them. But we've got a newcomer in the form of uh, Shoshi Gomez. She plays uh, America Chavez, which is a character from the comics. I've read her on multiple occasions. Interesting character. I did not enjoy her solo series, but I enjoyed her when she showed up in things like, uh, you know, the Battle World stuff from the recent Secret War or Secret Wars by Jonathan Hickman and all of that. So uh, oh, I'm aware of the character. Um, she's not one of my favorites, but she's definitely one of the new up and coming younger Marvel kind of characters that are there to um, help the younger fans identify with, with one of the heroes. And I think she works. She was very good in this. Uh, she had an instant connection with Doctor Strange. They had this sort of like big brother or uncle and niece kind of dynamic going on between them. Definitely uh, a mentor to her and um, well acted by Shoshi Gomez. I haven't seen her in anything else though, but I've been pretty out of it when it com comes to, to watching TV more widely. I've been really just centered on the Disney Plus stuff in the last eight months. With, with a little bit of a uh, viewing tangent here and there, though, I should mention, horror-wise. So we've got Shoshi Gomez, and of course, we've got Rachel McAdams returning as the dog's love interest, Christine Palmer. And um, then we've also got uh, Chiwetel uh, Ejiofor as Baron Mordo, or just Mordo, Carl Mordo this time around, showing up again. He always does a bang-up job of showcasing that character going from a good guy to an evil character uh was done pretty well at the ending of the last doctor strange movie i could really feel that this is a character who made a complete 180 and uh, based off of his own values and, and moral code and his own philosophy but here we don't get that mortar particularly we get a different mortar we'll, we'll talk about why later on of course there's a multiverse so you might already know what I'm, i'll be referring to here all right. Okay, first thing, let me reiterate again that this barely qualifies as a superhero film. Uh, it's mostly horror with that trademark Sam Raimi comedy element running rampant throughout. The title of the movie itself is a reference to H.P. Lovecraft's novella At the, Mountain of, At the Mountains of Madness. It gives uh, a nod to Doctor Strange connections to the Cthulhu mythos uh, in the comics particularly. Uh, those Cthulhu-centered stories uh, from the early 1970s. And the Book of the Vashanti appears uh, for the first time in the MCU. This is it kind of set up as a MacGuffin, but it has its MacGuffin status snatched away later by the Darkhold, which I guess is itself a version of an evil version. At least that's the way they set it up in, in this film an evil version of the Book of the Vashanti. It's sort of like it's it's opposite. Um, and of course, the Darkhold uh, is based off of the Necronomicon, which was also you know introduced by H.P. Lovecraft in his Weird Tales. Uh, the Necronomicon, a tome that it's featured prominently in Sam Raimi's Evil Dead series. That's the whole reason for the Deadite uh, infestation there. So, is Doctor Strange 2 Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 4? <laughs> That's basically what we have to ask ourselves. And I think the answer is, why, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, we get deadites, like I mentioned. We get reanimated corpses, giant monster, eyeball horror. This movie is just a murder fest of signature Raimi horror, really. Uh, crazy kills later on. We'll talk about that. You won't believe your eyes if you haven't seen it yet. Well, go see it. Of course, we're, we're already now in spoiler territory. It's got the requisite Bruce Campbell cameo 
as well as the appearance of uh, Sam Raimi's Oldsmobile Delta 88, which shows up in every single film he does. And it also takes inspiration from some recent uh, classic and classic horror cinema, I'd say. Uh, I'll also mention that as we go through the scenes. So, uh, first off, the movie starts with an alternate version of the doc. Let's call him uh, Ponytail Strange. He's fleeing with America Chavez through an interdimensional limbo that we later learn is called the Gap Junction. Uh, sort of similar to the nexus of all realities, I'm, I'm thinking, in Man-Thing, although that's in the swamps. But yeah, it sort of ser serves the same purpose. And uh, America appears just basically like she does in the comics. She's got her trademark jacket with a spunky attitude. And they're pursued by what seems to be this fabric or a type of rope-based demon. It made me think a little bit of the mutant... Um, the Abyss from the Age of Apocalypse. I think Apocalypse's son. Uh, but he also has a similar look to one of the recent demons who showed up in um, uh, the series before the, la before the last Doctor Strange series debuted, the one written by Mark Wade. I think showed up in the first issue. There was this layered-like kind of fabric demon. Um, I might uh, be missing something from a, the recent comics. Uh, they might have name-dropped this demon. I'm not sure, though. So, listeners, if you do know, you know, send me a uh, voice ma a message or, you know, write in and uh, uh, talk to me about it on Twitter. I might be able to um, mention that on the next show, correct my errors here. But, um, of course, their destination as they're fleeing, Ponytail Strange in America, Chavez, is this uh, Book of the Shanty that's located on this floating pedestal in this interdimensional limbo, the Gap Junction. And uh, they're blocked by the demon, though. They can't get to the book. Ponytail Strange then attempts to kill America by absorbing her power. And that's when we learn that this rope demon is actually after America Chavez because she possesses the power to traverse realities, to leap from one multiverse to the next, from one universe to the next. So she can traverse the multiverse. But this will apparently result in her death if Strange does absorb her power. But then he's mortally wounded by the rope demon America's power then uh, activates. It's probably triggered by stress and it sucks both her and the soon-to-be corpse Ponytail Steven into the main MCU universe, the one we're uh, most familiar with. Um, so this also shows us that that Ponytail Steven, uh, there's been numerous action, action figures of this, this Steven that I've seen in toy stores. Um, he is an asshole like most Stephen Strangers are, because he utters that same line that we heard uh, Stephen, our Stephen say in Spider-Man No Way Home, which is, in the grand scheme of the multiverse, your sacrifice is worth more than your life, or something like that. So he's more than willing to sacrifice her for the greater good. Meanwhile, back in the main MCU uh, universe, Stephen, our Stephen Strange, is preparing to go to his former love's Christine Palmer's wedding. Awkward. And there's a great bit uh, where we see him uh, getting ready, putting on his suit, uh, trying to tie his uh, tie, but um, he is unable to because of his uh, damaged hands. So he just uses magic. And his tie is perfectly, uh, it perfectly fits around his neck. So at the wedding, things get, like I mentioned, awkward because Stephen is, um, well, he's seen, he wants to tell Christine something while she's, 
happy and this is the greatest day of her life with her new husband, uh, who's apparently a fan of Doctor Strange and wants to meet him. And um, there's this awkward scene where, well, they meet at the bar and he turns her water into wine. <laughs> so it's a bit of a, a Jesus allegory there. And um, probably meaning that he's her savior. He wants to save her from making a mistake marrying this guy. I don't know. That's not the vibe, though, that I got afterwards. He's he's happy to let her go. But before he does, he wants to let her know that, well, he seems to be on the verge of telling her that he's always loved her and the, that he wishes something uh, something's worked out differently between them. Um, but um, they're sort of, well, they're not interrupted. She leaves to call her husband over to meet him. Um, and Stephen is unable to say what he wanted to say to Christine when suddenly there's a commotion outside on the street, right outside the wedding venue. We see America Chavez being pursued, or basically it's this giant monstrous eyeball demon, which looks strangely familiar, tearing up the street outside, trying to get at America Chavez. And this thing is covered in runes. We saw runes on the rope demon in the Gap Junction as well earlier. So if you had watched WandaVision, you'd know there were runes all over the place during that show. So basically, Stephen has to save the day and he leaps off the balcony, um, dons his uh, cloak of levitation, uses some magic to get into his sorceress gear, get up, and he uh, confronts this demon, which is clearly my favorite Doctor Strange villain, Shuma Gorath which you, I think I've mentioned that dozens of times during the Into the Weird show. Shuma Gorath, based off of Lovecraftian monsters, love him. This, though, is not named Shuma Gorath, even though it is Shuma Gorath. This one is called Gargantos. <laughs> At least that's what I've read in the credits. This is, or, you know, online. They opted for the name Gargantos because the Shuma Gorath name is owned by the Robert E. Howard estate. Robert E. Howard, of course, created Conan the Barbarian, but he also well, originated the name of Shuma Gorath in his uh, short story, The Curse of the Golden Skull. So Marvel, not wanting to poke the bear here by uh, leaving themselves open to a lawsuit, they've opted to call him by the name of a character that they already own, which is actually the, the Gargantos characters in the comics. Um, I, as I recall, was uh, a monster fought by Namor the Submariner. It, it is a giant octopus, much like Shuma Gorath appears. Uh, but I think it was controlled by the Lemurian sorcerer King Naga, who possessed the serpent crown there for a while. Uh, so, yeah, there is that octopus <laughs> connection. But still, I mean, they, I'm very upset that they couldn't actually make this the real Shumagorath, but I know that was beyond their control. But barring that, they gave Gargantos here a very small role. And he's taken out by Stephen, not easily, but in spectacular fashion. Wong shows up. He's learned some new moves since last we saw him. I mean, he is the Sorcerer Supreme now. Um, he does a fan... There's a great battle scene involving Wong as he combines Kung Fu action with sorcery. Uh, there's some funny bits involving the Cloak of Levitation trying to um, slap an unconscious stranger awake. And of course, America Chavez is trying to hide from this demon... Uh, eventually, Doctor Strange takes out this demon in spectacular but horrific fashion, especially for someone who despises eyeball horror, but but just can't look away. Uh, that's someone being me, of course, listeners. Is Doctor Strange uh, uses what I think is the spell called the Hands of Hogoth, or the 
as I can remember from the comics, the fists of Hogoth. He uses the, these giant magical hands of Hogoth to rip out a lamppost and to impale the giant eyeball of Gargantos Shumagorath <laughs> and then rips it out of his skull. So this giant eyeball's flying down, probably crushing dozens of cars while Shumagorath's body plummets down, splats into a tentacular mess on the street below. So, whoa, Sam Raimi, well done, man. He's had a lot of fun making that scene, I'm sure. The visual effects guys too, of course. So, <laughs> fantastic first scene involving our MCU universe, Stephen Strange, as he saves the life of America Chavez. But she's not so trusting of him right after the Stephen that she just um, had, uh, that she was accompanying through the Gap Junction, tried to kill her for her power. She pickpockets Stephen's sling ring and runs away, but Wong is there. He teleports them ahead of her and they sort of uh, corral her and say, listen, what's going on? Where are you from? She comes clean. She says she's from the multiverse, or she's been running through the multiverse. And uh, Doctor Strange doesn't believe her, but they take her out for a pizza. <laughs> Some people trying to take selfies of Doctor Strange. Great bit. He's not that friendly towards uh, these fans of, of, of the superhero characters. I mean, you got the Hulk posing for selfies in, what was it, um, Avengers uh, Endgame. <laughs> but nope, not Steven. He's, he doesn't have time for that kind of stuff. So uh, she says she's from the multiverse. She has the power to traverse universes, to hop from one uh, reality to the next. And Steven says, prove it. But first they discuss some other things. She, she mentions that, okay, have you had experience with the multiverse? Steven says he has. He's uh, had a recent adventure involving Spider-Man and you know, involving the multiverse, referring to Spider-Man in a way home. America is appalled by a superhero called Spider-Man. She asks if he shoots webs out of his butt. <laughs> Doctor Strange disses Spider-Man, but says, maybe. <laughs> so a lot of bug-themed heroes that gets dissed in this movie, definitely. Um, but then eventually she proves to them that, in fact, she is from the multiverse uh, by showing them the corpse of Ponytail Steven on a rooftop nearby, which is where they exited uh, the Gap Junction, you know, before the demon, the second demon, tracked her down. So Steven believes it now. He definitely has uh, uh, started to believe because he's just seen his own dead body from an alternate universe. So he uses a, a nifty little spell to bury this dead Steven, this corpse of himself from another universe beneath this uh, rooftop uh, in Manhattan, I presume. And then they decide, okay, they must, they, they have to help this kid. Someone's after her. Someone wants to steal her power. Definitely someone evil who wants to use that power to traverse multiverses to, you know, do all kinds of nefarious uh, things, possibly. Uh, but before that, it's also revealed by America Chavez that dreams, because Stephen mentions that he's, he knows her. He's seen her in a dream, which is true. That's how the movie actually starts, right before he gets ready for the wedding. He wakes up from a nightmare, and that nightmare was Ponytail Stephen and America Chavez running through the Gap Junction, trying to escape this rope demon. So she, since he's dreamed of her, he asked her, how do, I, how do you explain that? And she says, dreams are actually just you experiencing your uh, other lives in other universes, the lives of your other selves in the multiverse. So that's revealed here. Now, that disturbs me a little bit because um, 
if you if you go by that revelation, then basically uh, a foe like Doctor Strange's uh, enemy Nightmare would possibly be eliminated from Doctor Strange MCU continuity because he won't have his own realm where dreams happen and nightmares are created by him and given to people to feed off of. So, but they might still be able to work him in somehow. I, I wish they do because my third favorite Stephen Strange villain is Nightmare. But um, yeah, it doesn't look like uh, likely <laughs> because that would just confuse matters or complicate matters even more. Uh, but it seems that this is the way the, the MCU works. Dreams are not real. They're not really part of your subconscious. They are part of your subconscious, but they're sort of your subconscious accessing the multiverse. So um, because they saw the runes on the demon, uh, Shumagoroth Gargantos, they theorized that it's witchcraft. There must be an evil witch involved because witches deal in runes. They know a witch. And Doctor Strange says, that's right, we can ask Wanda Maximoff, Wanda, former Avenger, probably still an Avenger, de facto Avenger, I don't know, probably not because of the, everything that happened in Westview <laughs> in WandaVision. She probably, her status as an Avenger has been revoked, but former Avenger, reliable, at least Doctor Strange fought with her during the Thanos War in Endgame. So he decides to ask her for help to presumably track down this witch who's after America Chavez. He visits Wanda in this orchard, which is all just uh, reality being manipulated by Wanda herself, since she's got that power. And this is where the trailer has fooled us, folks. The trailers. Um, judging by the trailers, before I saw the movie, I thought, oh, Wanda's going to you know, help Doctor Strange. They're going to go on this multiversal jaunt, um, have this these adventures in the multiverse she's going to help them out they're going to encounter an evil wanda later on an alternate version of wanda no that's not the way it shapes out basically this wanda is the villain that's right she's set up as the villain at the end of wandavision the darkhold has been corrupting her she's been studying the darkhold um now there's probably months that have gone by um after westview the darkhold has almost completely corrupted her and it's shown her um, that in other realities, probably through dreams, there are Wanda's with children. The two children she lost during the WandaVision series, uh, Speed and Wiccan, of course, uh, which they are in the comics, which they will eventually become uh, from the Young Avengers. And, um, of course, this is also according to the, 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 the 80s comics when she lost her kids. They were never real, really just like in the WandaVision series, and this has um, severely affected her. So this is Wanda's House of M moment, or Avengers Disassembled moment, I should say. Um, and she has now become almost completely evil. I would say 99% evil. The Darkhold has thoroughly corrupted her. There is still a small sliver of goodness within her, but that little sliver is probably just the love she has for her kids. But there's a twisted love, because she's willing to kill America Chavez, a kid herself, absorb her powers. This is what Steven finds out while they're in this orchard, well, this orchard that has now been turned by Wanda into this apocalyptic looking, you know, arcane wasteland. And she reveals to him her plan. Her plan is to kill America Chavez, absorb her power, traverse the multiverse to a reality where the Wanda of that other reality has her two children as part of her family, kill that Wanda <laughs> and take her place. Essentially, that's what she wants disturbing. Steven realizes this. He realizes uh, this the, the, This power that Wanda contains is going to take all of the magic of Comartage to combat. 
He refuses her. He returns back to Comartage, but she gives him a bit of a uh, ultimatum. She says, when I come to Comartage, you better deliver America Chavez up to me. Stephen's unwilling to do so. He explains it to Wong, who's now the Sorcerer Supreme. Wong is freaked out because the Scarlet Witch is prophesized by the many, many magical tomes. Um, and since he used to be a librarian, he knows these prophecies better than most. And the Scarlet Witch is a being of unfathomable magic, I think he says. So she can alter reality. Basically got the, the power of the reality stone coupled with the magic of the Darkhold. So, uh, more powerful by a huge order of magnitude here. And they get ready to defend Comartage. And this leads to a very interesting battle. Not the best battle in the movie so far, but a pretty spectacular one at that. We see the Scarlet Witch arriving in this giant black cloud. Stephen goes up to meet her. All of Comartage is arraigned against her, protecting America Chavez. We've even got the um, the keepers of the other sanctums from Hong Kong and so forth. They've all shown up to, to help defend. They've left their sanctums un unguarded just to defend Comartage against the Scarlet Witch. And she they proved no match for her. The, so this definitively answers the the question, who's the most powerful Avenger? It's definitely Wanda. She, she, she almost killed Thanos during Endgame. And later we'll see. I mean, the, the debate was always like, is it Wanda? Is it, you know, Captain Marvel? So later we'll see that answer definitively as well. But here, definitely, you can see she takes off uh, on all the sorcerers of Comartage and prevails against them, murdering many of them. We, we see her like just disintegrate this one sorcerer. And she uses her uh, mind manipulation powers. She uses her hex bolts everything and then there's this fantastic that's just the first battle so the sorcerers have all been taken out we're talking about hundreds of sorcerers here completely plastered by wanda's hex bolts as she sort of has this aerial attack pattern that she uh, first engages in before she descends in this superhero landing <laughs> boom that would make black widow weep and a uh, massive shockwave resulting from that Lots of rubble everywhere. She enters Comartage and finds herself trapped in the mirror dimension. So Stephen lured her in. She's in the mirror dimension. She can't seem to escape using her brute force bolts, if you can call it that, the hex bolts that she employs to destroy. She has to use the magic she learned from the Darkhold. And it works. Uh, good God, does it work well. She uses the reflections of um, everything, basically, in the in the uh, in Comartage to attack and she takes out Master Hamir, possibly just traps him in the dark dimension, but also kills him and, and a couple of other people who are still defending America Chavez in the interior of Comartage. And, and so it's basically after she takes these people out using their reflections to hold them into the dark, into the mirror dimension, she crawls out of this gong, the reflection of this gong in this very scary sequence, which is it harkens to back to movies like The Exorcist, you know, with Reagan uh, walking down the stairs and uh, possibly more recent fare like, uh, let's say, Pennywise unfolding himself from a broom closet in the uh, in Stephen King's recent It remakes. Very scary stuff. Very scary. And I enjoyed it. It was really Sam Raimi showing us that, well, basically, just like people possessed by his deadites and evil dead, these human bodies that they possess can be contorted and... Uh, grossly twisted to do almost anything and then twist themselves back into human shape which is what Wanda does here in a horrific fashion it's crazy 
So she confronts Doctor Strange and Wong and America Chavez. They're the last two standing. Uh, Doctor Strange attacks her with this cool-looking spell right after she takes out Wong. And the spell basically turns his fingertips and fingers into these uh, hydra heads, these serpent-like, these dragon snakes or something that attacks Wanda. And she uh, seems to be, well, frightened at first, but then she uses her powers to destroy these dragon snake heads one at a time. And as she does so, Steven hisses. (laughs) He's like, hiss! (laughs) Jeez, I love that part. It's almost as if he was connected to these snakes. He'd have become some of them as they were part of his body that he extended to order. But she takes that out. There's no way Steven can win. But America Chavez stressed out by, by what's going to happen because the implications are... I mean, there was a funny scene with the hissing, but it's sort of... Uh, it, it loses its its humor once you realize the implications of this scene that basically she's now going to kill a child. Wanda is. She's going to kill America Chavez. So because of the stress of this, this whole imminent death, America's powers activate. That's the only control she has over her powers at the moment. They activate in moments of dire peril. And Doctor Strange leaps and tackles America through this multiversal portal in the shape of this five-pointed star, which is cheesy. I mean, it works in the comics. It's weird, even in the comics. But in this movie, it's it's really strange. It should just make a... Well, they couldn't have really have made a circle. would have looked too much like one of the sling ring portals, I guess. But whatever. Yeah, it just looks really strange. Like, why is it in the shape of a star? <laughs> but, you know, it's a comic book movie. Let's just, um, let's just go with it. He tackles her, Doctor Strange ju- does, and saves her from Wanda tumbling through myriad uh, numbers of realities, myriad uh, realities as they sort of make their escape and um, filled with Easter eggs, of course. I saw the Living Tribunal. I think that's that's right at the start of them uh, falling through these uh, different multiversal worlds. The Living Tribunal definitely spotted that. And uh, the animated universe from What If was in there you had a universe in which they became paint. Okay, no Easter eggs there that I could see. Uh, there was a universe where they sort of... Uh, it was like a very technical... Well, like uh, advanced, futuristic uh, universe. Uh, I can remember the rest. I think I need to see it a third time if I have to really look for Easter eggs and those things. But definitely the animated version of the What If universe was there. They be- briefly became animated. And, of course, the Living Tribunal, which I wish we had seen more of. Oh, well. Hopefully, he'll turn up again. So at last, they reach the the next part of their destination, which is where most of the, the latter half of the movie would be set. And this turns out to be the 838 universe. Uh, later, we'll, we'll learn its designation. But for now, since we haven't you know come to that part of the story yet where the universes are numbered, even though we might already know their numbers, let's just call it the Pizza Bowl universe. <laughs> so... Just like we're doing the Pizza Bowl rating system today, when we're going to rate this this movie out of five, uh, this is the Pizza Bowl universe. And why am I calling it that? Well, you'll have you'll definitely know if you've seen the movie why we call this the Pizza Bowl universe. So interesting, interesting place um, filled with uh, vegetation and plants, but also modern uh, skyscrapers and buildings. This is clearly a universe that has become green. Uh, possibly overcome global warming. No surprise there because it's got no shortage of geniuses, which we'll find out about later. And then, of course, it's also uh, a place that has technology that we definitely don't have. Like, for instance, we get a flashback sequence that tells us more about America Chavez's origin and about Stevens, 
uh, obsession with Christine Palmer or uh, with the love he shares for her and also how that has sort of broken him uh, psychologically and emotionally. Uh, for America Chavez is seen as they step in front of this uh, company, which was very reminiscent to something like Total Recall, you know, the Recall Company from the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, the Philip K. Dick uh, um, short story, where, you know, you can basically uh, have memories, there, but it's not really implanted. It's I, I shouldn't equate it to Total Recall. Let's just say that it's a memory enhancement clinic where you can recall um, fond memories or you know, your disturbing memories from your past crystal clear. So they step on these memory discs and Steven sees him and Christine, young Steven and young Christine having a dinner. She gives him a gift. This this the watch that had been cracked in the accident when he uh, destroyed his hands. And uh, he's never fixed the, the watch face because he's seen that as possibly subconsciously as himself still being scarred, still being cracked from what that crash meant for his life and what happened to him there. Uh, so it reflects his many things. It reflects his, his outlook on life. It reflects his subconscious. It reflects his broken ego. Um, and uh, on America Chavez's part, she uh, reveals her origin. Now, this is done not just to to us and to her. Of course, Stephen can see this as well. That's the, the marvel of this uh, company that helps you to revisit your memories it's, it's it's there for everybody to see and we see that she um was born in this place called the utopian parallel which uh, in the mcu well in the marvel comics it's outside of the multiverse but here it seems to be just another reality inside the multiverse but but it's never been expressed exactly but there's only one america chavez throughout the multiverse that much has been established in this movie um, and that's the reason given for why there's only one America Chavez in the comic books, because she's from a place outside the multiverse. So we see her and her moms, uh, who are a same-sex couple. Um, and this, in fact, has caused a lot of countries in the Middle East to ask Disney to cut out the sequence from the film. Um, because they don't want any gay scenes in it with their, all their gross anti-gay laws over there. Uh, which clearly I disagree with. But still, I mean, Disney refused, insofar as I know, they've refused to do that. Uh, good on them. I mean, they just took on DeSantis in Florida, right? There's this whole uh, don't say gay law that Disney is protesting. So good for them. If they stick to it, well done, Disney. You have my uh, adulation <laughs> that I'm going to heap on you for that. If you stick to your guns, I hope money doesn't come into play, but I'm I'm hoping not because Disney's got so much money that that doesn't need to be a factor. Just think about what is right, Disney. And so far, they've been doing that, and I'm glad of that. So, uh, America Chavez herself in the comics, she's a gay character. She's a lesbian, and um, you know, good on that. That's definitely something that you know, we support here at Into the Weird because uh, you know, gay people. Um, Lesbian people are weird, therefore they're allies of Into the Weird. So I love this part of the movie, it was great. But, unfortunately, the activation of her powers the first time ever, triggered by a bee, which is sort of like the butterfly effect, right? Something small can lead to 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 chaos and, and to a sort of a domino effect that leads to big things happening. And this little bee uh, scares her, her powers activate for the first time, and uh, creating this portal, her Two moms are sucked through the multiverse into other realities. America herself is sucked in. 
and she never sees the utopian parallel again. Her moms are lost in the multiverse, but they, they are alive out there somewhere. As soon as she can learn to control her power, she can go looking for them. That's implied. But right now, she's still firmly not in control of her powers. So after all of this, there's a scene involving, of course, someone that has to show up in every Sam Raimi movie. You know who I'm talking about, Bruce Campbell, a.k.a. Ash Williams. And here he's playing a character called Pizza Papa. Or <laughs> I think that's what he's called, Pizza Papa. And uh, Bruce, of course, has also, like I say, in every Sam Raimi movie, we remember him from the first three Spider-Man films. And uh, But this, those scenes were great. This, though, comes off as a little bit silly. And we'll talk about why just now, but but still, good to see old Bruce popping up here. Very, it's it's funny, not very funny though. I should say it's more like silly fun. Pizza Papa, he's upset after America steals some pizza balls. <laughs> Jeez, pizza balls! In America's defense, though, she she states that most food in the multiverse is free. It's only in Steven's universe that she she basically sees that they have to pay for stuff. But it turns out that no, it's the same in this universe. <laughs> She's basically a thief for not paying for these pizza balls. So Pizza Papa accosts Steven. And then he also gets obsessed when he sees the Cloak of Levitation draped across Steven's shoulders. But which has been damaged, by the way, by Wanda. After they leap through the the portal escaping from Comartage, Wanda threw a hex bolt and burned a huge hole through the Cloak of Levitation. But um, he fingers this cloak, Pizza Papa does, and he says, This looks authentic. Did you steal this cloak from the Strange Museum? What? Dr. Strange has a museum. Wow, I love this. I love this little um, factoid that they've inserted into the eighth... Well, like I say, the Pizza Bowl universe. It's kind of like the Flash's museum, you know, over at uh, in DC or Superman even has a museum in the 30th and 31st centuries. I love that. And I would give my third eye... You could gleefully rip my third eye out of my forehead just so that I could see that museum or walk in it or that they could introduce it in a comic book and, and we could see what is in that museum. What fantastic uh, trophies and creatures and, and memorabilia you can see in there related to Stephen Strange and his many, many adventures and villains and magical items. It would be amazing. So because Pizza Papa is getting uh, physical here, he tries to spray mustard into Doctor Strange's eyes. The doc uh, sets off a bit of a spell, curses Pizza Papa, and Bruce Campbell proceeds to slap and punch and uh, smack his head around. It's basically like a self-mutilation spell that causes you to beat yourself up for apparently three weeks. <laughs> this is rough, Stephen. Wow, that's cruel. I mean, lots of things can go wrong there. <laughs> he could seriously injure himself. He could kill himself. I mean, you keep punching yourself for three weeks. You're going to be dead. Well, even after an hour, you're going to be pulp. But apparently, Stephen must have put a limit on the spell, though. It's it's not full out. And, um, you know, eventually we'll see what happens with Pizza Papa. But this reminded me a bit of uh, the Vertigo, DC Vertigo comic book Preacher, um, which I think is also a show lately on, or, or has been a show on Amazon, which I didn't really watch. But but the comic book Preacher is one of my favorite uh, favorites of all time. And there's a scene where Jesse Custer who's got the power of the voice that will command people to do whatever he says, he forces this one member of this organization, I think it's called the, the Grail, this guy called Hoover, to count sand on the beach. Like, 
Not not a lot. I mean, a lot of sand. We're, we're talking about like three million grains of sand or something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but but basically, he has to do this. He can't stop doing this, and it takes him like months, you know, piling up a little pile of three million grains of sand. The wind keeps blowing it, and then he has to start over, and eventually he builds a windbreak, and it's just great. But this is almost as cruel as that, Stephen. <laughs> almost as cruel as Jesse Cusser, and that that means you're pretty damn cruel. So, that having happened, they abandoned old Pizza Popper to his fate, and they head on to the only place where they think uh, they can get some help, which is the Sanctum Sanctorum. They want to track down the, this reality's Doctor Strange. They find out that he's dead, though, when they see this giant statue that the city has erected of this Doctor Strange with this plaque that says, Doctor Strange died in the battle of, uh, against Thanos, defending our universe, and he's Earth's mightiest hero, just like an Avenger would be. Which he probably, I mean, which he is in our universe, but which we'll find out he wasn't. There was never such a thing as the Avengers in this universe, I presume. There's another team, and we're going to get to them. But who is the master of the Sanctum? Why the, the Sanctum? Well, the Sorcerer Supreme is none other than, of course, Carl Mordo, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. 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 Jeez. A lot of difficult names <laughs> that these actors have these days. So I'm I'm sorry if I butchered that name, Chiwetel. It's it's hard. So um, basically, Mordo turns out to be friendly. At first, Steven's worried because the Mordo in our universe, of course, hates him and has sworn to kill all sorcerers. But this Mordo looks different. Still dresses in the same colors, the green effect there. Uh, it's got long hair, nice dreads. Looks very fashionable, and you can see he's got this regal bearing befitting a Sorcerer Supreme of this reality. So he takes Stephen and America Chavez in, and he talks to them about, you know, because they mentioned their problem, their plight with this with Wanda, and, and that she's in possession of the Darkhold. So he says, we know of the Darkhold in this universe, of course, and there are scary spells, uh, strange and... Uh, com uh, completely unbelievable things that she could do with this book. One of the things is to dreamwalk. So while she might not be able to traverse the multiverse physically, she could send her soul or her essence into another universe through spells uh, found in the dark hole that will allow her to dreamwalk and essentially possess the bodies of her alternate selves in order to hunt down America Chavez. So the very fact that Mordo is telling them this, we know it's going to happen because at the same time as he's, as he's explaining this, we see it happening, possibly in real time, while he's telling them his tale of Wanda in Kamartage enacting the spell, trying to possess her alternate self in the pizza bowl universe in order to hunt down America Chavez. And as it turns out, this alternate Wanda is happy and content. She lives with her two children. I'm just going to call them... Wiccan and Speed, <laughs> and they are seemingly a happy family. Uh, fatherless, I guess. I mean, she doesn't have a husband, none that I could see, although it might have just been at work. We don't know. Um, it might be Vision. <laughs> no, probably not. But anyhow, she does manage to, to make the initial attempt to possess this Wanda. But while this is happening, a student, an apprentice of Wong, as Wong is hanging there, trapped by the Scarlet Witch's magics, a student that survived the initial onslaught of Comartage there sneaks in 
And it seems that there's something between Wanda and this female, uh, between Wong, I should say, and this female student. They, it seems to be either his favorite student or she had a crush on him. She loves him or something because she sort of, they, they, they share this look when Wong realizes what the student's going to do. The student uses this presumably magical knife to destroy the Darkhold, which was just hanging there suspended in this red web of energy emitted by the Scarlet Witch. So with the book destroyed, and the student also dies in the process, she, she's burned to ash. Um, looks like a, you know, uh, one of those uh, ash mummies from Pompeii. Um, Wong is uh, devastated by the loss of the student, but Wanda too, even more so because now her connection with the Wanda from the Pizza Bowl universe has been severed. So now she must find another way. So she theorizes that the only way, Wong must know something about the Darkhold. This Darkhold has been destroyed, but he must know something about where the Darkhold come from. How could she get her hands on the spell again that would allow her to dreamwalk and get to America Chavez? Wong's reluctant to tell her, but she proceeds to torture uh, four or five of Wong's unconscious students and forcing him to eventually relent and say, okay, I will show you where the Darkhold originated. The Darkhold is actually a copy. The original spells were inscribed on the walls of Mount Wundagore, this temple situated on top of Mount Wundagore by the demon Cthon eons ago, and that is where the Darkhold was copied from. So in order to save his students from pain and death, he promises to take her there, and he in fact does with his sling ring. They travel to Mount Wundagore, where Wanda sees this temple. So briefly, uh, this dreamwalking has been interrupted. Meanwhile, though, what's happening over in the Pizza Bowl universe? Stephen and uh, America Chavez are feeling the effects of this tea that Baron Mondo, Mordo has served them. That's right. Baron Mordo used Stephen's beverage weakness... And it's not like Thor, which is drink. No, no, no. This is tea. We know how he loves some good tea. And uh, this time around, he would never say no to a cup of good tea. You know that. I mean, he didn't do that when he first met the ancient one in Doctor Strange number one. Even though he thought that that tea was spiked, it wasn't. Ironically, though, this time around, this, the new Sorcerer Supreme has spiked his tea. <laughs> a great callback there. And they collapse into unconsciousness. Uh, Mordo says as he as Stephen passes out that the most dangerous thing to the universe is not Wanda it's actually Stephen Strange so having found that out the story is finally kicking into 12th gear meanwhile back in the 616 universe <laughs> or I should say the regular MCU uh, Wanda and Wong have reached the shrine slash throne room uh, at Wundagore Mountain. And some giant demons emerge and seemingly bow to Wanda. After knocking Wong off the mountain, she studies the Dreamwalk spell uh, of the Darkhold inscribed on the walls of Wundagore. And then she commences possessing her alternate self again in a very, very Evil Dead sequence, reminiscent of the that sinister first-person force that rushes through the woods in those films, possessing hot college girls, turning them into monstrous deadites. You know what I'm talking about. All right, so Pizza Ball Wanda gets possessed, and um, I could have sworn there was a moment where she sort of breaks the fourth wall by looking directly 
at the camera and smiling evilly. I might be wrong about that, but yeah, the first time I saw the movie, I missed that. Second time I saw it and I thought, whoa, Sam Raimi? Yeah, that's definitely a Raimiism. And then Wanda flies off to find America Chavez in this pizza bowl universe. Now, Steven and America, as I mentioned, they been captured by Mordo. They awaken in what seems to be the stronghold of a scientific organization, maybe the Baxter Foundation, although later on it turns out to be the headquarters of the team that sort of uh, qualifies as this reality's Avengers. You already know which team I'm talking about. Of course, there's no Avengers in this reality. It is, in fact, the Illuminati from the Marvel comics and um, I think most recently this Illuminati can be equated to the one we found in Jonathan Hickman's New Avengers, which is sort of the second uh, big Marvel Universe story in the comic books about involving the Illuminati, um, where they deal with the threat of incursions. And we'll talk more about what these incursions mean and how they will impact the future of the MCU. I think they're going to play a massive role in what is to come. So back to uh, this prison that Stephen and America Chavez finds themselves in. It's sort of like they're stuck in these transparent, um, almost nigh unbreakable glass uh, cells. And the very first person they meet, there's these scientist types walking around, of course, well, they meet Dr. Pizza Bowl, Christine Palmer of this universe, who is a scientist for what she reveals to be the Baxter Foundation. So that rings a bell, doesn't it? Uh, she reveals that the main MCU where Steven is from is designating the 616. So earlier I called it the 616. That comes directly from Christine Palmer from this universe. Apparently, it's not the original designation, which is MCU 1 you know, triple nine, triple nine, something like that. No, it is in fact the 616. This, the Marvel Cinematic Human Universe has adopted this particular designation. And she reveals that the Pizza Bowl universe is called the 838 universe. So the people here are more familiar with the multiverse, possibly because of whoever is associated with the Baxter Foundation, uh, who we'll talk about later. So she also reveals to Steven that um, he is dangerous because when he traverses the multiverse, he might cause what she calls incursions, which is, of course, what I mentioned um, earlier, talking about the New Avengers comics written by Jonathan Hickman from about eight or nine years ago, where these incursions happen. Two realities crash together because of some breach between them, and one reality has to be destroyed in order to save the other. Or vice versa. All right, so that's the reason basically Baron Mordo drugged him and captured Stephen, and uh, they're locked up. And Christine also mentions that, of course, you have to take into account that travelers from other universes might be carrying viruses. And this made me think of the Marvel Zombies virus, which um, is not the way the virus spreads, I think, in the Marvel What If animated series. Although it is, I think it was a quantum virus or something like that that infected uh, Janet Van Dyne um, and then spread towards that particular universe. Um, but uh, in here, yeah, they're definitely worried about viruses, as meaning that they've had 
this this situation crop up before. Um, so they're in quarantine, uh, but very briefly though, because soon uh, Stephen is called upon by these, what I'm going to call the Ultron Guard, these Ultron robots who serve as the type of sentinels around this uh, headquarters for this uh, 838 Universe's Avengers team. And of course, they're called the Illuminati here. There's no Avengers in this reality. And um, as we see the robots carting Steven off to this meeting hall or this audience chamber where he's being presented to the members of the Illuminati, we finally get the reveal. We already saw through the trailers um, half of these folks at least. We know Mordo's there and uh, we know Professor X is going to show up uh, from the X-Men. But I was very curious to see who the rest would be. And then the first thing I thought once they brought you know, Stephen in front of the Illuminati members and we saw all of them, I was thinking, what, no Namor? No Submariner? Come on, this was a missed opportunity. We know the Submariner's going to show up in the Black Panther 2 movie, but I would have loved him to be introduced here, or a different version of him, but possibly played by the same actor who's going to play him in Black Panther 2. I don't know, I just wanted to see Namor, goddammit. Uh, but no Namor, sad to say. We get some good reveals, though. There's, like I said, Mordo, and then... Big surprise, Super Soldier Captain Peggy Carter, played by Haley Atwell. And um, she's very visually similar to the version that debuted in the animated What If series uh, from a couple of months back. Um, God, she's beautiful. I love Haley Atwell. Then we've got Maria Rambo, mother of Monica Rambo, best friend of Carol Danvers, this universe's Captain Marvel. She occupies a seat on the Illuminati as well. Uh, possibly in this universe, she was the one who absorbed the Psyche Magnetron energy uh, released by Marvell um, in that crash uh, that we saw in the Captain Marvel movie. And she became the Captain Marvel of this universe, played by Lashana Lynch, the actress's name. Black Bolt shows up. Black Regar Boltagon <laughs> and Stephen. Uh, he can't believe his name. He just, you know, Stephen, asshole Stephen likes these quips and his insults. And this name is just ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's great in the comics, but to actually hear it <laughs> introduced by Mordo, it is a little bit crazy. But I mean, the actor's real name is Chitowell Ejafiar. <laughs> so, I mean, that name's even more difficult to pronounce than Black Regard Baltagon. All right, so great alliteration again. Uh, paying homage to Stan Lee there, of course. Ensign Mount is the actor who plays Black Bolt, and he's obviously from that horrible Inhumans TV show where he played Black Bolt, but he's also the newest Star Trek captain in Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which debuted on Paramount Plus uh, about a week ago. I haven't seen that because, damn it, we don't have that streaming service here in Taipei. Um, I wish I we had that. I mean... Picard is on Amazon Prime. We've got that. Why can't we get Paramount Plus? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Sorry about that. Listeners, me whining and complaining. Okay, but then finally we get John Krasinski, Reed Richards. He's been fan cast as Reed Richards about a year or two ago, and now finally we do see him as uh, Mr. Fantastic. All I'm going to say, shave the beard, man. He doesn't look good with a beard. Probably without a beard, he would have been more... Mr. Fantastic-esque for me, although, you know, Reed does sport a beard in the recent comics, that's true. 
Although I think recently he's, he's, he's clean shaven again. He just, John Krasinski does not look good with that beard on. I don't know. That's just my personal opinion, though. I love the guy, though. Big Krasinski fan. I don't know. Uh, it just didn't work for me visually seeing him as Reed. Uh, all right. So he shows up. But the final member is, of course, Professor X, accompanied by an orchestral snippet of the X-Men animated series when he enters. Yeah, that's right. The theme from the X-Men animated series is his introduction to uh, Stephen Strange there. Uh, but like I said, I was very underwhelmed by this part of the film. I was expecting more fanfare when I saw these characters. I did not. It was more silly, um, almost as silly as the Pizza Papa scene, I thought. It wasn't intended to be silly, though. That's probably what disturbed me about the scene. It wasn't well done, the reveal of the characters. Uh, for instance, let me give an example. Peggy Carter, for no reason, bounces her shield off the wall, catches it. And why is this done? Well, to reveal that she's Captain America? No, this is to intimidate Steven. I'm not sure why she did that. I mean, she could have just stood there and shown off her, her uniform and her shield. That would have been enough. Her gigantic stature. But no, she had to to ricochet the shield around the room for effect, <laughs> dramatic effect. And then after Stephen makes fun of Black Bolt's full name, he shushes him with this weird Atalan sign language, which looked silly to me. I mean, the guy's got a tuning fork on his head that already makes him look ridiculous in live action. Of course, in comic books, I, I never questioned the fact that there was a tuning fork on his head. Uh, Stephen does, though. And, of course, that's meant to, to to reveal that even though he's a guy who flies around with a living cape and, uh, you know, he's got all kinds of strange magics, he still finds ridiculousness in the multiverse <laughs> that he makes fun of, which is ironic. And then, of course, we've got Reed, who arrives in what seems to be a Doctor Doom time, time travel tra teleportation square, which we see in the early uh, Fantastic Four comics from the 60s and also later on. So he's appropriated the technology from doom or he conceived in this universe i don't know and of course maria marvel captain marvel maria rambo she glares at steven imperiously doesn't do much though but she's the more realistic of the bunch i think with her reaction um her introduction to steven she doesn't have to display her fancy cosmic powers at all and Morda just continues to pace around relentlessly uh, which is which is also strange Professor X, though, for me, stole the show. He arrives fashionably late. Uh, he redeems the silliness of, of this Illuminati reveal a little bit for me. It's a jaw-dropping scene when he shows up in that yellow hovering wheelchair made famous by Jim Lee, in fact, before the X-Men animated show aired. But, you know, I associate it now with the X-Men animated series, of course. Um, but like I said, where's Namor? If Namor was there, it would have completely made this scene worth it for me personally. Anyway, so missed opportunity there in my mind. I would have loved to even have seen some Wakandan representation too. Maybe Shuri or even a good version of Killmonger in this universe. Who knows? But they didn't do that. Still, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what we got. It's just it wasn't as epic or jaw-dropping as I wanted it to be. And... Of course, they explain to Stephen why he's been imprisoned, why he's been brought before them as a prisoner. 
um, they mention the fact that, you know, uh, the incursions happen when people traverse the multiverse. And it seems that this universe, Stephen, was one of the founders of the Illuminati, um, expressly to stop beings like Thanos. But this Stephen from the 838 specifically caused an incursion through his use of the Darkhold. So he might have been dreamwalking. Mordo has warned them when he discussed it over the drug tea earlier uh, in a previous scene that the dreamwalking powers granted by the Darkhold does in fact have the potential to cause incursions. And uh, because of that, they judged the Stephen of the 838 universe. And even though he re sort of redeemed himself by using the Darkhold to help them defeat Thanos in this reality, they still opted to execute him via Black Bolt's destructive whisper. Uh, and this is all shown in flashback scene, of course, by from Professor X sort of projecting it into and uh, 616 Stephen's brain. And that's where we see that the Stephen from this universe was obviously a wheeler of the Darkhold uh, with his blackened finger, similar to Wanda's uh, after she started wielding the Darkhold and Agatha Harkness in the WandaVision series showing these blackened fingertips, which seems to be an after effect of uh, using uh, the Darkhold. So after that, though, during actually this meeting between Stephen, before he's judged or sentenced or for execution, <laughs> probably, Wanda arrives. This is possessed Wanda, and she completely devastates the Ultron Guard and then proceeds to absolutely humiliate the Illuminati. She basically slaughters them each in turn in ridiculously creative ways. First up is Black Bolt. You know, as the Illuminati confronts her, they, they know the Ultron Guard is no match for her. Um, the, they show up in full force, all except for Charles, who hangs back. Um, and she... Uh, this is also where we get the reveal of Mr. Fantastic trying to talk Wanda down by mentioning that he's got a wife and a family, obviously meaning Sue Richards, the invisible woman, as well as his kids, which could be both Valeria and, of course, Christopher, uh, um, Franklin, sorry, Franklin Richards. But um, it doesn't work um, in a very scary, almost psychopathic uh sentence she says that well if they've got a mother then you know they don't need you around do they they've got someone to take care of them and then before she takes out mr fantastic though black bolt is killed she literally erases his mouth so while he tries to whisper i think his power's turned inwards and his brain is liquefied his skull caves in blood pools out of his eyes dead in a horrific fashion and uh, Mr. Fantastic is unraveled and his head explodes at the end of the unraveling. Horrific, uh, which leaves only Peggy Carter, Captain Carter, and Monica, uh, well, Maria Rambo, Captain Marvel, to take on Wanda. And uh, Peggy Carter dies an ignominious death, I would say. She dies similarly to the way the zombie Captain America died <laughs> in the Marvel What If series, which is that Wanda hurls the shield back at Peggy, basically disemboweling her, really, or even severing her body in twain, uh, cutting it in twain. It's horrible, really. But they, luckily, they don't show that graphically. I would have 
I mean, I love to see that, but because it's Peggy Cartner, not so much. I love her too much to see her maimed. So thank goodness they did not show everything there. Um, but then we get the best fight, I think, of the entire film, which is basically... I mean, this whole fight is the best uh, sequence. It's even better than the Comartage uh, War um, from about, you know, the, the, the first half of the movie. Here, though, uh, we get Monica uh, Maria Rambo, Captain Marvel, proving uh, almost a match for the Scarlet Witch. But I think we know now who's the most powerful Avenger of all, and that is Wanda, because she does uh, manage to beat Captain Marvel in a fair fight, um, collapsing the statue on, her, uh, on top of her, crushing her to death. And... Um, yeah, that's it. That's that's Wanda taking out the Illuminati, lickety split. But after that, of course, Stephen he takes out Mordo uh, with some psychological manipulation. They are playing on Mordo's jealousy of him, and he initiates a, a gong fu fight sequence with Mordo. By the way, Stephen can't use his magic because of manacles that sort of dampen his powers. He manages to put one of them on Mordo's wrist, which is great. This is what I love about Doctor Strange. Him even without his magic powers, thinking his way out of a, a tight spot. And he beats Mordo, manages to escape, and joins up with Christine Palmer, who, uh, well, uh, she and America Chavez have managed to to uh, flee from Wanda successfully. America has found that her multiversal powers are not limited to just traversing the multiverse. She can also release some kind of a energy and a punch that, uh, I think in the comics it's a kick where she kicks uh, universes open, but here she can sort of punch uh, with multiversal energy that shatters objects and also possibly um, what is what opens multiverses. Her punch is strong enough to tear, uh, you know, or rip a reality open. And uh, they join up with Stephen. They mention that Wanda's unstoppable, but Christine though reveals to them that the Stephen of this universe had a secret portal to the Gap Junction where we know the Book of the Shanty is located and that the Book of the Shanty will in fact give any sorcerer the means to defeat any foe and um, they head towards that because that's their only hope at this point. Wanda though, she's channeling Carrie, Carrie White here from the Stephen King novel. Really, I mean this is Carrie bloodied at the prom. No prom here for Wanda though but she's uh, suffering from a cut on her forehead, blood all over her face. Not quite as copious as you'd find in the Carrie uh, movie or in the novel, but she has a limp because she got hurt during this fight with the Ultrons and with the Illuminati. Very superficially wounded, though. Uh, she shuffles through these corridors, cor corridors on bare feet, you know, uh, ignoring the glass strewn everywhere. Uh, I mean, this is not her body, by the way. That's probably why... And this is a very Raimi-esque sequence because he loves showing possessed people, normally possessed by deadites, ignoring all manners of bodily harm. And that adds to the horror here. So Wanda, intent on getting America Chavez, she's very close now to getting her kids back. She's not going to give up and still possibly even more powerful than ever uh, because she's so motivated she follows them in this sequence of horror where they're trying to flee from her and she's just relentless. But finally, though, they do make it. 
They get to the gap junction. There's this scene where Doctor Strange has to access it with the broken watch serving as the key um, that Christine gave him during that fateful dinner that we saw in that flashback. And this broken watch opens the door to the, the doorway to the gap junction. So while all this is going on, uh, there's the scene that I neglected to mention, though. Professor X, he, he was the final buffer, I think, against uh, crazed Wanda here. He tried to free the Wanda trapped within um, her own body from crazed Wanda from the 616 by entering her mind. And that gave America Chavez and Christine Palmer the, the time they needed to escape from Wanda. However, it doesn't end well for poor Charles. He's murdered horrifically, you know, terrifyingly by Wanda here, who snaps his neck in this um, Battle of the Mind sequence, which is done brilliantly. I think the reason that, um, you know, 838 Wanda was buried beneath rubble in this uh, astral plane sequence uh, was because she that had happened to her as a child, possibly in this universe as well. Um, where the building collapsed um, because of Tony Stark's, you know, weapons used for terrorism, uh, which is their MCU origin. And uh, he's unable to free her from the rubble. And so uh, Dark Old Wanda, Evil Wanda, just takes him out, kills Professor X very ignominiously as well, similar to Peggy Carter dying and the rest of the Illuminati. Everybody died ignominiously, I should say. So after that, though, uh, within the gap junction, they're trying to make it to the the book of the Vishanti. However, uh, it doesn't work. Wanda preempts that by blasting the book of Vishanti to shreds with a hex bolt, and that's that. They have no hope now. Wanda's too powerful. While all seems lost, she seizes control of America Chavez and her power with her mind controlling uh, spells, and then banishes Christine and Stephen to a dead world, a world that has suffered an incursion. And uh, she seizes America Chavez, abandons the 838 Wanda's body, and hurls her through into the 616 universe atop Mount Wundagore, where she is now ready to commence with the type of ritual to absorb America Chavez's powers and kill her. Wow, so things look pretty bleak from here on out. One thing I want to mention, though, is that this altar situated atop Mount Wundagore, the shrine type of um, deal that they've got going on, it's, an, it's a hexagonal altar. In fact, there are hexagons all over the place, um, playing into the appearance of Wanda's magic being hexagonal, like Darcy, I think, uh, the character from Thor, which showed up briefly, uh, the scientist. Uh, I don't know her last name, I forgot. Anyway, Darcy. Uh, she showed up in WandaVision studying the hex that had um, enveloped Westview. And she coined the term uh, Wanda's hexes because they're hexagonal in shape, these energy patterns. And so we see this all playing into the prophecy of the dark of the Scarlet Witch, uh, the hexagonal altar, all these visual callbacks to Wanda's power. And she's about to sacrifice, of course, America Chavez on this uh, altar. Uh, Doctor Strange, though, thwarts this, of course. Everything does not appear to be too bleak because Strange employs his intelligence. He does um, this by besting his evil 
third eye sporting counterpart from this dead universe where he's been banished with Christine. In a great mystic battle, this involves musical notes. I think this is one of the best scenes in the film. I, I said the best battle is between Wanda and the Illuminati, but I also really enjoyed this brief battle between Stephen Strange and his evil counterpart, a counterpart who is the cause of the this dead world. Um, he's caused an incursion because we see him wielding the dark hold like a gunslinger carrying it on his hip. And we also see this third eye, which freaked me out. It appeared on his forehead, very similar to the eye of Agamotto attaching itself to Stephen's forehead in the comics. But this is more sinister. This is an organic eye. <laughs> so definitely an ocular atrocity situated on this Stephen's head. And uh, But 616 Stephen manages to kill the evil Stephen from this universe by smashing him through the anomaly rue window of the Sanctum Sanctorum on this dead world, impaling him on a spiked fence below, um, again playing into the horror here. Very li little superheroics in this movie, definitely more horror. All right, so um, the only way that Stephen can then traverse the multiverse to save America Chavez from Wanda in the 616 is to, in fact, also use the Darkhold, which he's taken from uh, the dead evil Stephen from this universe, and he has to enact the same dreamwalk spell that Wanda used to possess her 838 counterpart. Stephen then uses uh, the same spell um, to possess, conveniently, the dead body of Ponytail Stephen, or as some people on the internet call him, Defender Stephen, because he sports the costume that I guess uh, Stephen once sported in the new Defender series. I'm not a much, I'm not a big fan of that costume. It looks great in the movie, but you know, just stick to the the classic Doctor Strange look, please. Uh, but if it's a multiversal counterpart, I'm completely fine with that. Change the costume, give him blue energy rings around his hands instead of you know yellow. I don't care. So uh, this corpse Stephen, <laughs> Ponytail Stephen, uh, buried atop this Manhattan rooftop, uh, he awakens, and this is again Evil Dead Foreman. The corpse Stephen, the zombie Stephen, let's call him Zombie Stephen, uses a sling ring to travel to Mount Wundegar. But then he's assaulted by the spirits of the dead uh, in both universes. This is apparently in retaliation for violating the laws of the dead. So Christine Palmer saves 616 Stephen in the dead universe from these spirits by using the brazier of Bomgaliath. Now this brazier showed up in Doctor Strange 1. Remember Doctor Strange in his fight with Casalis before he got the Cloak of Levitation. He you know, handled this brazier and tried to blast Casalis with it, but he didn't know how to use it. Apparently you have to light it with a candle, which produces this cannonball effect. Christine, though, from the 838 universe knows exactly how to use it to destroy the spirits. Um, possibly 838 Stephen taught her about it. Um, Zombie Strange, though, has more problems because he has no way to deal with the attacking spirits until Christine Palmer again comes to the rescue by whispering in 616 Stephen's ear that he should use the spirits of the damned. He's the Sorcerer Supreme, he can do it. And that's in fact exactly what he commences to do. He controls the spirits of the damned atop this mountaintop near Wundagore Mountain, creating a cloak of 
ghostly levitation out of them. They're attached to the back of his body. It looks great. It looks fantastic. They carry him to Mount Wundagore, and this will give him the edge in his final fight against Wanda. And um, I have a theory about this, though. I think that while Wanda became a full-blown witch and a conjurer who can call up demons like the the rope you know demon and Shumagoroth Gargantos um, Stephen became a necromancer through his use of the dark cult a necromancer is a sorcerer who's capable of calling up and controlling the dead which is exactly what he does here um, and then he flies atop Mount Wondergore to confront Wanda. Wong shows up too, though. He wasn't as dead as we thought when uh, the Scarlet Witch hurled him off the mountain earlier. Um, together, Wong and Stephen make short work of these massive demon servants of Wanda's, and then they take on Scarlet Witch herself. America Chavez, though, turns out to be the hero of the piece. Uh, she shows up, takes control of her powers because of... Uh, you know, working through her own trauma, um, and similar to Stephen working through the trauma of uh, something he mentions to evil Stephen, which I'll discuss later. But uh, she had a psychological block because she associated the use of her powers with possibly killing her parents. And so once she realizes that that is not true, that her parents are somewhere in the multiverse, they can be saved, and she can use her power to save her friends. Now, obviously being Stephen and Wong, two people she's grown close to, she is the one who takes on the Scarlet Witch. And she at first does it with this uh, multiversal punch that she's almost perfected by now. But uh, she can't beat the Scarlet Witch in a brawl. What she in fact has to do is play it smart like Stephen would. She transports the Scarlet Witch from the 616 briefly, physically, to the 838 universe, to the very living room of 838 Wanda, where she is able to see the trauma she's caused this family. The two kids, uh, Wiccan and Speed, they're just traumatized by the appearance of this evil witch who seems to assault their mom and who in fact caused their mom to be possessed earlier. And because of the pain that these kids feel, the psychological damage she's causing him with them with her very presence, she reasserts control of her mind and banishes the influence of the dark hold on her soul and uh, good Wanda from 616 the Wanda that was in love with the vision the Wanda that we saw briefly uh, just before the end of Wanda vision she resurfaces and she realizes what she's done so then we get this fantastic scene this is the scene that made me think that this was Elizabeth Olsen's best uh, performance as the Scarlet Witch to date uh, the scene where she decides that she she has to atone for what she's done, all the life she's taken, all the life she's ruined, all the devastation she's caused. She's broken, and the only way to do this is through a final sacrifice to make sure that no one will ever be able to wield the power of the Darkhold or the power atop Mount Wundagore again. What she, in, in effect, does is she destroys the Darkhold in every reality. Now, it's not quite clear how she did this. This is not explained in the movie, um, which is uh, one of the reasons I found uh, this movie to not be perfect, but be that what, uh, you know, uh, be that as it may, she's still very powerful. She can manipulate reality and possibly through America Chavez's 
a multiversal power. She's got access to all of the other realities too in the multiverse. So she uses her power to destroy the Dark Old and then she collapses Mount Wundagore on top of herself, uh, essentially killing her. Well, we think. I, I don't know. I mean, apparently Kevin Feige has confirmed that Wanda will return, but this might not be the Wanda from the 616. It might be a Wanda from a different universe. Who knows? In fact, it might be 838 Wanda. Um, we don't know. This is all still just speculation on my part. So a heartfelt scene where she sacrifices herself. And then we basically get to the end of the movie. Um, they return to Comartage and start rebuilding. And we see America, now a student of Comartage. This is possibly a few uh, days later or a few weeks later after Wundagore Mountain collapsed. And uh, she's a student. She says goodbye to Doctor Strange as he prepares to head back to the Sanctum in New York. And he finally bows to Sorcerer Supreme Wong, showing that now he acknowledges him as the Sorcerer Supreme. He refused to do this at the start of the movie. And then back at the Sanctum in New York, he fixes his watch, the watch that Christine gave him, the one that got cracked in the accident that ruined his hands. And so he also metaphorically fixes his broken heart. And uh, he's, he's over Christine because he's realized that they'll never be together uh, but he managed to tell 838 Christine that he's always loved her. Uh, that's what he tried to tell 616 Christine at her wedding, which would have been very inappropriate. Uh, but he needed to do that to overcome this inner torment of his. And this also ties in with what he told evil Stephen Strange when he met him in the, the dying uh, universe earlier. Before their musical battle, he mentioned that uh, in order to prove that he is an actual Stephen Strange from the multiverse, uh, he told uh, dead Stephen Strange the secret that only a Doctor Strange would know, which is that uh, the reason he is always uh, wanting to hold the knife, wanting to be the, in the driver's seat uh, of the, the car that's going to save the universe, is that he, his sister died on an icy lake, drowned in the lake, by falling through the ice when he when he was a kid and he was unable to save her and that has sort of created this complex um, in his mind where he has to be the hero he has to always be the person taking responsibility for this burden of saving everyone from everything um, it's almost like his Tony Stark complex too where Tony wanted to build this armor around the world he couldn't save his parents but now with the Iron Man technology he could Steven is similar and that's probably why he and Tony had a lot of friction between them because they saw sort of a reflection, a distorted reflection of, of themselves in each other. Uh, Tony from the viewpoint of, of science, Stephen from the viewpoint of magic, but still very similar, very arrogant, similar personalities. And um, Stephen's now overcome all of that. And uh, we see him then seemingly happy. You know, he... Uh, he's put the affairs of the New York Sanctum in order. He takes a stroll down um, Bleecker Street outside the Sanctum Sanctorum. As he crosses the, uh, a road, though, he suddenly collapses in agony and a third eye manifests itself on his forehead, like the third eye from the evil Doctor Strange who wielded the Dark Darkhold. This is clearly the Dark Darkhold's power um, in Stephen's body sort of revealing them itself. Now, 
this could have many implications for Stephen in the MCU. It could be that he's possessed by the Darkhold, or it could be that he has retained a portion of the Darkhold's power, but since the Darkhold doesn't exist anymore, he's free of its influence. Um, whatever the case, this makes him more powerful than ever. And I kind of like it, even though I'm freaked out by eyeballs appearing anywhere, uh, you know, where they shouldn't. <laughs> um, I'm curious to see where this goes. So very happy with this little reveal here. Um, either way, yikes, eyeball on Steven's head, which which shows up again later because we see a mid-credit scene. Now, this mid-credit scene's got everybody all over the internet talking. And... Um, what we basically see is my fellow South African, most beautiful woman in the world, Charlize Theron, as the maid of mysticism herself, Clea. She shows up while Stephen has seemingly recovered from having this third eye manifested on his forehead. This could be a couple of days later. It could be a couple of weeks later. We don't know. But she shows up in the middle of New York during another Stephen stroll down Bleecker Street. I'm not quite sure where. But she literally shows up and just says, you've, Stephen Strange, you've caused an incursion. I need you to come with, with me to set things right. You're coming with me whether you like it or not. Stephen, though, takes one look at Clea. He even uses his third eye <laughs> to get a good look at her. Decides that, wowza, this girl is the girl of his dreams. <laughs> dreams don't exist in the multiverse, I guess, but... Basically, Clea shows up, uses what seems to be a psi blade, you know, similar to the blades Psylocke uses, but let's say a magical purple blade. She's dressed in her traditional Clea costume from the comic books, and she cuts open a hole in reality to what appears to be the dark dimension and tells Stephen, hop right in, man. Not in those words, of course. And they both go on a multiversal adventure together. And I did like the scene, although I think they could have done it even better. They could have made Cleos reveal more epic rather than just having her show up and says, you've caused an incursion, you're coming with me, you said it right. And then Stephen immediately complies. It's just weird. Still great to see Clea finally in the MCU and Charlize Theron being Clea. I had no clue. I mean, I saw her posting on Twitter the other day. Um, where she wears a purple dress to some kind of a premiere. I guess it's a Doctor Strange premiere. And she said the cat's out of the bag. So, you know, that, that sort of reveals that she's clear. I saw that pic, though, after I'd seen the movie, so I knew about it beforehand. I don't know what people made of it. I mean, that's a major spoiler before people saw the movie. She did not tag the Multiverse of Madness, you know, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness tag on Twitter, though. So, yeah, it might have been over people's heads, though. But still, I'm very happy about that, and I'm happy that Charlize is in the MCU. So uh, that's basically it. That brings us to the end of my review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, we're not quite done yet, because there is a final post credit scene featuring Pizza Papa, Bruce Campbell, Ash Williams, um, still beating himself up. This is now after three weeks, presumably, doesn't look as if he suffered much damage. I mean, a few bruises here and there. But the spell fades away. It allows Bruce Campbell to exclaim, It's over! Meaning, of course, the torment and suffering that Steven Spell caused him, but for us, the movie's over. So I found this um, funny, but again, silly fun. I waited around seven minutes uh, for this uh, post credit scene, and I don't think it was worth it. <laughs> the audience around me were also 
disappointed, uh, judging by their reaction to this final scene. They expected more Marvel character content. Nope, we just got uh, Bruce Campbell in another cameo. Still, Pizza Papa, very funny, great, uh, silly, but I, I, I enjoyed it. It didn't detract from the overall uh, greatness of the movie. So, uh, what did I particularly like about Doctor Strange 2? All right, I'm going to have to say, first and foremost, the strong cast. Everybody did a fantastic job, gave their utmost acting effort to make this movie superb, acting-wise, and they did. And then, of course, the visual effects were out of this world, magical. Brilliant score by Danny Alfman really set the tone and atmosphere for this movie. And uh, the comedic horror elements introduced by Sam Raimi, vintage Raimi, really. Uh, the horror part of this is a big draw for me. And I uh, expected it a little bit, judging from the trailers and also the, the title that they slapped onto the film before I saw it. But I didn't know that it would go so far to actually eclipse the superhero elements and it's very much like the early Doctor Strange comics, so big thumbs up for me in that regard. What I didn't like, though, about the movie was the, the haphazard plot. It seemed that, uh, of course, this, this movie suffered from uh, Scott Derrickson being the director at first, and then he left the project, and then Sam Raimi came on, and they started filming apparently without having a full script. So, of course, they sort of made it up as they went along. Not completely, but... Uh, that that was a factor. So the plot was all over the place. Um, it seemed that they had to keep introducing these deus ex machina sort of events or objects to further the plot, and um, it was a lot. But I but I I could have I handled it. I could accept it. I absorbed it. I internalized it. And um, after the first viewing, it made sense to me. The second viewing was more for this review to see if I missed any Easter eggs that I had to put into this review but the first viewing was 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 enough for me in terms of understanding everything that had happened so um successful but it was a little bit of a wonky plot i'm always looking at it through the eyes of someone who's accompanying me to the movie theater uh, not my wife erin she's pretty good at catching uh, all kinds of marvel references now nowadays but let's say for instance a friend who who's you know he knows the marvel universe but or or he or she but um not quite as familiar with with let's say for instance WandaVision or the TV shows or the comics they would have been confused I think and in fact uh, there were quite a few audience members that I could that I overheard as we left the theater uh, asking some questions but I'll get to that just now um, so yeah that's one of the the cons here really is that you had to have seen WandaVision to to make complete sense of 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 what's been happening in this movie because um, I, I know everything's interconnected now just like the comics they've succeeded in that it's a whole coherent universe I love it uh, there are no editor's notes though which which would be awkward in a movie to sort of remind someone to oh remember what happened in WandaVision well that's why this is happening it would have been too weird and it wouldn't work um, it sort of would take you out of the universe uh, break the spell <laughs> pardon the pun but um, the grumbling I heard from audience members as um, we left the theater was stuff like, uh, like, why is Wanda suddenly evil? And um, what is this dark hold? Why did she have this dark hold? Where did it come from? And um, I even heard someone say, 
uh, afterwards in the in the lobby um how does she has have kids like how does she even know that she had kids okay she dreamt of a universe where she had kids how did she know that 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 they existed in the multiverse if she's never traveled through the multiverse did the dark hold reveal that strange but probably i mean you could explain it away easily but it wasn't explained by the movie this is all about the audience sort of <clears throat> making these leaps in logic um so because of that i think oh and one more thing they gave short shrift to shumagora <laughs> i mentioned that before that was a major issue for me too he's he, he merits prime villain status come on uh, i wish they had used him in a subsequent movie but you know he showed up in this what you could almost call a villain cameo strange kills him easily in my mind they also don't explain properly i think why every jaunt by a stephen strange from the multiverse causes an incursion so hopping realities in the loki series apparently all these variants going to different timelines and different realities that doesn't cause incursions um but stephen doing that does it could be because the multiverse essentially came into being during the loki series i mean the the prime the main timeline you know was basically split into the multiverse so after that the incursions might be you know a result of the weakened uh dimensional walls between realities i don't know they, they they're probably gonna give us a better explanation later on but they didn't in this movie so it, it's a little bit strange to me um of course you know uh america chavez traversing realities does not cause incursions because apparently she has no other counterparts in other universes so it could be that the mere fact that two people exist in the same universe when they're not supposed to that could be the reason why incursions happen which would mean that wanda's whole plan would have failed i mean the dark hole doesn't mention incursions does it it mentions though that you have this power to possess your alternate self so wanda would have been the one to cause the incursion in the 838 universe if she managed to succeed in possessing uh, or killing her other self and kidnapping her kids <laughs> which was really uh scary but i could accept that part of the story so another thing that i wish they dealt with is well i mean they couldn't have done it here no time but what is the what would would the repercussions be for 8381 i mean she managed to wipe out the illuminati it's not her fault she was possessed and 838 christine palmer might be able to smooth things over but we've got all of the x-men from the 838 who probably want answers why is charles dead the inhumans might want to know why their king has been killed the fantastic four i mean i could see easily see franklin richards i mean being as powerful possibly even more powerful than the wanda from the 838 universe wanting to take her on or get revenge for his dad i don't know that could be future storylines that they would deal with but uh, it's as if they just abandoned that reality, leaving Christine Palmer from 838 to go back there and just deal with that. Um, still, of course, that's just uh, nitpicking now. Uh, they couldn't have um, logically answered it in the allotted time they had for this movie, though. Uh, but what I like is that this is clearly setting up something where incursions are going to play a big role in future events in the mcu it could even be setting up something like jonathan hickman's secret wars where dr doom sort of compressed all the multiverse into a single reality uh, or it could of course uh, be setting up the next storyline involving kang 
which we saw at the end of the Loki series. So rather than Doctor Doom, it might be Kang, who's again trying to conquer all the other realities and trying to make himself the sole lord of time and all universes, thereby compressing them into one, which is what happened in, in the recent Secret Wars series by Hickman. So, you know, all of that, taking all of that into account, my ultimate verdict is that it was a fun movie. You know, I walked out of the theater both times with a spring in my step. So, um, not surprised, I should say. Pleasantly, my expectations were met. I'm not going to give it a very extremely high rating, though. Since we're doing the Long Box of Darkness rating system here out of five, I'm going to give it 3.75 pizza balls out of five. And uh, the reason why it doesn't merit a four or 4.5 or even a full five is because there were some parts where I'm not, I mean, I'm not a movie director, but I thought, wow, this part with the Illuminati or with, uh, you know, the reveal of Clea could have been done better. It could have been done more epically. And um, also the other problems that I mentioned just now. So 3.5, 3.75 pizza balls out of five. This might change, though, once I purchase the movie on Blu-ray and watch it again and again. And on Apple Movies, I'm definitely going to do that. I liked it that much. It, it merits countless rewatchings, I think. Um, as a Doctor Strange fan, yeah, I'm happy with what Marvel Studios gave us this time around, and especially with Sam Raimi, what he gave us here. So, um, great movie, lots of fun, and I see a lot of my Twitter mutuals agree with me on this. Um, and if you do have any thoughts, please share what you thought about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, aka Evil Dead 4, of course. Uh, feel free to send you know any feedback about the movie, whether you agree with me or disagree with me to our email, which is at sinkintotheweird at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Twitter. I'm at intoweird or at darklongbox. And uh, that brings us to the very end of this joint into the weird and longbox of darkness endeavor, where we discussed a superhero, weird superhero movie for Into the Weird, but also a horror-esque movie for the longbox of darkness fans out there. I do have to mention, though, before we go, that uh, once again, I have to thank our unofficial sponsor, the great band Seven Kingdoms, for the use of their song In the Walls as our intro. Um, and they're a great band. You should check them out uh, and support them via, via Patreon or check out their Facebook page. Check them out on Spotify. You can donate there to them. Um, they're a fantastic band. They're touring a lot. Uh, they've got a new studio album out in the works, I think. Sorry, not out yet. But they've got singles out from the new album that's already in play. And uh, they keep supporting us. And I'm going to do the same by keep supporting them in future shows. And yes, there will be future shows, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Into the Weird is back. I'm going to be doing the same that we've always done, discussing Doctor Strange. It's going to be a solo show for now. And The Long Box of Darkness too. Why not? I mean, I've got all the time in the world here in Taiwan. I'm recording in the mornings. I know that's difficult for um, uh, American guests and co-hosts and uh, Australian guests and co-hosts and people to record because of the time rift difference. But for me, you know, I've got a lot of time. I'm going to do the solo thing from now on, and I hope you guys like it. So keep listening to Into the Weird, and I'll be back with some more Doctor Strange and Marvel Bronze Age content and some other surprises that I've got on the horizon for you folks, you weirdos out there. So once again, thanks for joining Into the Weird and the Long Box of Darkness on this comic-filled jaunt into the multiverse of madness. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Until next time, stay weird, pleasant screams. This is Herman, signing off. Bye-bye. Thank you.